when Gianna Jessen took her seat and she adjusted the microphone before her presentation to the House Judiciary Committee in September of 2015, every mouth in the room became silent. Every eye studied her carefully. Every ear listened closely and for good reason. Gianna Jessen is a real-life survivor of a botched abortion. She sat before the members of Congress that day. She told the true story of how her biological mother had gone to a Planned Parenthood facility 38 years earlier. And the staff of that facility advised her to terminate her late-term baby with a saline abortion. This particular method of abortion actually burns the baby with saline solution from the inside and out, essentially blinding and suffocating the child who is then born dead, usually within 24 hours. But instead of dying after 18 hours of being burned alive inside her mother's womb, Gianna Jessen was delivered alive. She was delivered alive in an abortion clinic in Los Angeles on April 6, 1977. Her medical records actually state these words, born alive during a saline abortion at 6 a.m. Thankfully, the abortionist who works in that facility had not arrived at work yet. Had he been there, he probably would have ended Gianna's life with strangulation or suffocation or just plain leaving her there to die. Instead, a nurse called an ambulance, and Gianna was rushed to the hospital. Doctors did not expect her to live, but live she did. Doctors said she would never be able to hold up her head or ever walk, but Gianna has defied all of the odds. Despite the fact that she developed cerebral palsy as a result of that botched abortion, Gianna has gone on to have quite an incredible life. She has run marathons, and she met President George W. Bush, and she met the Prime Minister of England, Tony Blair. She's met Mother Teresa and the Pope, and she's told her story over and over to audiences all around the world as she is a passionate advocate for protecting human life. As Gianna concluded her speech before the Senate Judiciary Committee that day in 2015, you can only imagine the uncomfortableness of many in the room who shifted and squirmed in their seats as she told the real truth about Planned Parenthood. She said this, quote, Planned Parenthood receives $500 million of taxpayer money each year to primarily destroy and dismember babies. Do not tell me these are not children. A heartbeat proves that. And so does a 4D ultrasound. So do I. And so does the fact that they are selling human organs for profit. Do not tell me this is only a woman's issue. It takes both a man and a woman to create a child. And to that point, I wish to speak to the men listening to me. You are made for greatness and not passivity. You were born to defend women and children, not use and abandon us, nor sit idly by while you, while you know we are being harmed. I am asking you men to be brave. In conclusion, she said, 
Let me say, I am alive because of the power of Jesus Christ alone in whom I live and move and have my being. Without Jesus, I would have nothing. With him, I have all. Christian friends, make no mistake, it isn't only the lawmakers, it isn't only the politicians who begin to squirm at the mention of abortion. Whether it's on the factory floor, or whether it's inside the teacher's lounge, or whether it's next to the coffee pot in the employee break room, abortion is the one topic that Americans dread talking about. And as a result, many Americans have decided to excuse themselves from this discussion by claiming that what happens inside the womb is just too dark, or it's just too mysterious for us to understand with any real certainty. Is that developing fetus a real person? Well, they don't know, or they don't want to say. When does human life really begin? Well, they don't know, or they don't want to say. Is it really murder to destroy what grows inside a mother's womb? Well, they don't know, or they don't want to say. Friends, we can be grateful that the inspired Word of God gives us solid answers to the hardest questions that make people squirm with uncertainty. And so today, family, in this message on the real truth about unborn children, I want us to consider some selected scriptures together that can inform us on exactly what is happening there inside the mother's womb, who is behind it all, and what kind of perspective we ought to have regarding it. Family, in the midst of so much apprehensiveness, in the midst of so many divergent opinions, with so much angry debate, what is God's perspective on the abortion issue? What do the sacred scriptures actually say about life in the womb. What is the Bible's real truth about unborn children? Well, family, with those questions in mind this morning, I want us to consider today four biblical truths about unborn children. I want us to consider four biblical truths this morning about unborn children. Here's number one. I hope you'll take some notes and, and carry this with you and use this in your own discussions. Number one, unborn children are living human persons created by the act of God. Number one, unborn children are living human persons created by the act of God. Christian friends, the moment you and I breach this subject about abortion in conversation, well, surely one of the first things you and I have to do is deal with the definition of terms. You see, those who advocate for a woman's right to choose an abortion they are not going to stand idly by and let you use certain vocabulary words like baby or infant or child to describe what is going on there inside a mother's womb. They much rather prefer some other terms like zygote or fetus. You see, they don't like the term infant. They don't like the word baby or unborn child. Why? Why do they not like those words? Because those words assign personhood. Those words assign human identity. Family, the more we study, the more we receive insights from the womb, the more we discover that the life growing there is in fact a unique 
human person. You know, not long ago I was reading an article that explained that today, in today's world, if you ask modern medical professionals to determine if a person is alive, today the medical community determines someone to be alive if one of these two things is present, either a detectable heartbeat or brain wave activity. Family, with that in mind, it's quite eye-opening, isn't it? That unborn children in the womb have detectable heartbeats at 18 days after conception. Those unborn children in the womb have detectable brain waves at 40 days after conception. So that baby, as small as he or she may be, possesses a unique individual life. And listen, let's be honest, it isn't just some kind of vague biological life. It is distinctly human life. It is human life. Scientists tell us that at the moment of conception, when the conception happens, there's those 23 female chromosomes derived from the mother. They are united with the 23 male chromosomes that come from the father. In that moment of conception, all the genetic material is necessary and it is all there to bring about all the qualities of a new human being. So in other words, friends, in that moment of conception, a new and distinct human person is created. So what do we have there? Is it just a mass of cells? Is it just some blob of protoplasm that many people want you to believe? No, of course not. What we have there in that moment is a new, living, unique human being with all the distinct characteristics of human personhood. Family, look in your notes this morning. I gave you this quote from Dr. Jerome Lejeune. He is the professor of genetics at the University of René Descartes there in Paris. And he says this, quote, At two months of age, the human being is less than one thumb length from the head to the rump. But everything is there. Hands, feet, head, organs, brain. In the fourth week, there's consciousness. All are in place. His heart has been beating for a month already and fingerprints can be detected. His heart is beating at two months at 150 to 170 beats per minute. To accept the fact that after fertilization has taken place, a new human being has come into being is no longer a matter of taste or opinion. Family, over the last few decades now, with the power of science to help us, we have only verified what the Bible has been saying for generations. That unborn children in the womb are, in fact, living human beings knit together by the remarkable power of God. You know, one of my favorite passages of Scripture in all the Bible is the passage that was read for us today in our Scripture reading, Psalm 139. Would you turn there again? Psalm 139. In Psalm 139, we read these verses in verses 13 through 16. King David is the author of this text. And King David writes in Psalm 139, beginning in verse 13, For you formed my inward parts, You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, 
intricately woven in the depths of the earth. In other words, he's talking here about the mother's womb. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were they written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. Listen, make no mistake, friends, the Bible teaches plainly that conception brings forth an actual living human being with distinct personhood. And God is the creative genius behind it all. Now, moving forward, here's a second truth that we need to consider when it comes to the reality of the sanctity of unborn children. Number two, number two, unborn children are appointed to a unique destiny by the purpose of God. Number two, unborn children are appointed to a unique destiny by the purpose of God. Christian friends, some years back, the Alan Guttmacher Institute, which is actually the research arm of Planned Parenthood, the Guttmacher Institute re reported the percentages on the reasons why women choose abortion. Would you listen closely to these percentages? These are right from Planned Parenthood. This is right from their own research. 1% of women choose abortion because they are the victims of an incest or a rape. 1% said they chose abortion because of incest or rape. 1%. 1% learned their babies had fetal abnormalities. 4% chose abortion because they had a doctor who said that their health would be compromised if they continued in the pregnancy. 50% of women said they choose, chose an abortion because they didn't want to be a single parent or they had problems in their current relationship with the father. 66% of women chose abortion stating that they could not afford the child. And 75% of women said that they chose abortion because the child would interfere with their lives. Family, in other words, Planned Parenthood's own research demonstrated that the number one reason why women choose abortion is because having the baby was going to be personally inconvenient. Friends, what so many women apparently fail to see in their obsession with themselves is that this baby inside of them is also a person. The one growing inside of them is also a person who has a right to life, a right to liberty, a right to pursue their own happiness one day. Yes, of course, we hear it so much from these moms that will choose abortion, that they have their dreams ahead of them. They have their whole life in front of them. They have this idea about their own destiny in front of them. But listen, so does that little one inside of them. What about their destiny? You know, I think many of you may be familiar with the true story of the Christian couple whose name was Bob and Pam. In 1985, Bob and Pam were living in the Philippines. They were doing Christian missionary work when Pam unexpectedly lapsed into a coma. Well, in the hospital, Bob learned that his wife had contracted amoebic dysentery. 
This is a bacteria that a lot of missionaries will sometimes pick up on foreign fields. It's a bacteria that's transmitted through contaminated drinking water. Well, during her recovery time, when she was being treated for this amoebic dysentery, Pam started receiving a number of extremely powerful medications. And when she was going through those uh, medications, she discovered that she was pregnant. Well, immediately, Pam decided to discontinue the medications, but the doctors told her that there were problems with her baby. Later, the doctors informed her that her placenta had actually detached from the uterine wall. This is a condition, a rare condition, known as a placental abruption, which can, of course, deprive the baby of many nutrients and even oxygen. Well, what did Pam's doctors advise her? They advised her to get an abortion. They expected that she was going to have a stillbirth, so their counsel was... This baby is as good as gone. You ought to just go ahead and have an abortion. Well, this couple, of course, Bob and Pam, were believers because of their faith, because of what they understood about the Bible. They knew that the life and the destiny of all people is truly in the hands of God. So Bob and Pam decided to keep their baby. And they just prayed and prayed that God would give them another child that they would be able to bring into this world and try to raise him uh, raised this child so that, so that a child could make a difference for Christ. Well, on August 14, 1987, Pam gave birth. She gave birth to this skinny little boy, skinny and malnourished, but otherwise healthy. They decided to name him Timmy. Little Timmy was so skinny, but he didn't stay that for long. Little Timmy grew up to be a strapping young man of six foot three, 250 pounds. He ended up winning two college football championships for the University of Florida. He won the Heisman Trophy in 2007. He even made it to the NFL for a number of seasons. Now he's a broadcaster for ESPN, and he was just this week invited to come to spring training for the New York Mets. You know who I'm talking about. Little Timmy grew up to be Tim Tebow. Believers, when you and I hear a story like that, it truly is shocking. It's amazing to think that Tim Tebow was almost aborted. But you know what? The Bible is filled with amazing stories of God having a future and a destiny laid out for certain people. A God knows what their future is entailing. Can I just remind you of a few of these great people from the Bible? How about in Judges 13? We know that from the womb, God picked out a special destiny for this man whose name was Samson. We read his story in Judges 13. The angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said, Behold, you're barren. You have not borne children, but you will conceive and you will bear a son. No razor will come upon his head. The child will be a Nazarite to me from the womb, and he will save Israel from the hand of the Philistines. How about Jeremiah? The Bible says Jeremiah was chosen while he was still in his mother's womb for this unique destiny to be a spokesman for God. Jeremiah 1 verse 5, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you to be a prophet to the nations. How about Luke chapter 1? The angel comes visiting a man named Zechariah 
telling him the destiny of his yet unborn son, the son who would be ultimately John the Baptist. And the angel says in Luke 1, verse 13, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear a son. You will call his name John. He will not drink strong drink. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. Galatians chapter 1 says the Apostle Paul had a unique destiny that God chose for him even while he was in the womb. Scripture says in Galatians 1.15, But when he who had set me apart before I was born, who called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his Son in me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles. Family, how could we ever forget the most important person of all in the New Testament? The Lord Jesus Himself. Remember, Christ's coming was announced to Mary while she was going to grow in her womb. It was prophesied even hundreds of years before Mary was pregnant. Listen to these scriptures about Messiah in Isaiah 49, verse 1. Scripture says, Listen to me, O coastlands. Give attention you peoples from afar. The Lord has called me from the womb. From the body of my mother, he named my name. That's a scripture talking about Messiah. Ultimately, Jesus himself has this unique destiny marked out for him even from his mother's womb. Family, the point I'm making is this. God appoints individuals to a unique destiny, a unique purpose, even from the womb. And that unique destiny, dear friends, is not just for the Tim Tebow or the Apostle Pauls of the world. Listen, the Bible says God knows and God ordains the unique destiny of every person ever conceived. When that mom is sitting there on the sofa, and she's gently rubbing her very pregnant belly, and she's dreaming about the future of this child, She's thinking about the baby's gender. She's thinking about the baby's hair color or eye color. That mother is rubbing the belly, thinking about what that baby will grow up to be or grow up to do. The mother is just wondering, but guess what? God already knows. God already knows every detail of that baby's destiny. In your notes is a great quote from a great Bible scholar whose name is D.A. Carson. Carson says this, quote, Every embryo is a person, a creative possession of God with days planned ahead, a life ordained in heaven to be lived on earth. Family, let's move on now. Here's a third truth from the Bible that relates to unborn children. Number three, unborn children are moved upon by the Spirit of God. Number three, unborn children are moved upon by the Spirit of God. Now, Christians, just a few weeks ago, right, at Christmas, we celebrated the arrival of Jesus Christ coming into the world, being born of the Virgin Mary. Jesus would ultimately grow up, of course, and become our Redeemer. And every year during that Christmas holiday, we always read that famous passage from Matthew 1, and specifically verse 18. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way, when His mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together. She was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Now, of course, what is so amazing about the Lord Jesus Christ is that Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Jesus did not have an earthly biological father. Jesus was conserved, or conceived, Scripture says, by the Spirit of God. 
He was created and brought forth uh, in a, a virgin birth. But just a short time later, family, Mary makes that trip to see her cousin, Elizabeth. Remember that up into the hill country of Judah. And scripture says that the moment Mary comes into the room there to see Elizabeth, Elizabeth, of course, is also pregnant with John the Baptist at that time. Scripture says in Luke 1.41 that the baby John leaped in Elizabeth's womb. And Elizabeth and John both were filled with the Holy Spirit. We read earlier there in Luke 1.15 that John the Baptist would be filled with the Holy Spirit even in his mother's womb. So just like with Jesus, you have John the Baptist being uniquely moved upon by the Holy Spirit while he was yet unborn, still in his mother's womb. What an incredible thing when you slow down and take that in. That these children are being moved upon by the Holy Spirit while they are still in the womb. But family, I want to point something out to you this morning. Just as God was at work by means of the Holy Spirit in the womb there with Jesus and with John the Baptist, you need to know the Bible teaches that God is involved through the Holy Spirit in regards to every human life. Even though you and I were not conceived in a virgin birth, even though you and I were not filled with the Holy Spirit in our mother's womb, the Bible is still very clear that the Holy Spirit was still involved in your conception and your formation. When we look into the Bible, we discover that every human being is the product of God's creative work. And the Bible says it is the Holy Spirit who works to breathe life into everything. Do you remember this famous passage in Genesis 1, verse 1 through 3? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void. Darkness was over the face of the deep. Listen. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Listen to me. From the dawn of creation, it is the Holy Spirit that has been working as God's creative force. And that is especially evident in the creation of human beings in the womb. Look in your notes. I gave you Job 33, verse 4. Scripture says there, The Spirit of God has made me, and the breath of Almighty, the Almighty gives me life. Psalm 104, verse 30 says, When you send forth your spirit, they are created. Family, in other words, the Bible teaches that it is the Holy Spirit that is God's creative force. It is the Holy Spirit who breathes life into everything. Most especially, that human being being formed in the womb. You know, how often does it happen in the conversations that we hear amongst mothers and fathers? You will often hear new moms and dads. You will hear those couples talk about the baby that they made. This baby that we made. Listen, according to the scriptures, that is only partly true. Yes, as a male and as a female, as human beings, they were certainly a part of the physical process of procreation, or what we would call reproduction. 
But ultimately, family, on the ultimate sense, the author of all life is God. And Scripture says that God's movement to work, to, to, to work and to create life is the power of the Holy Spirit. And only God can give life to a soul. Look in your notes there. I gave you a wonderful quote from Dr. John MacArthur. MacArthur says, quote, let me tell you something. You can transmit the physical features, but you cannot make a soul. You cannot, through sexual relationships, create an immortal, eternal soul. At the time of conception, when the physical factors come together, God has to impart a soul. Friends, that's absolutely right. So friends, listen, for every human being ever conceived, they are moved upon by God's own Holy Spirit. At the moment of conception, there is a soul that is being imparted into that living tissue by the Holy Spirit. And God is the one who does this. I mean, this is amazing. This is miraculous. This is amazing. Only God can do this. Only God can give life. Only God can give life to a soul. Only God knows that soul. Scripture says God knows even the eternal destiny of that soul. So the question is often asked, why is abortion so wrong? Why is abortion so wrong? Well, the answer is abortion is wrong because finite human beings have no business playing God with someone else's soul. We have no business meddling in the life or the death of a human soul. That's, that's God's business. Now, here's a fourth family, a fourth real truth. The Bible gives us number four. Unborn children are loved and protected by the care of God. Number four, unborn children are loved and protected by the care of God. Now, Christians, whether we're flipping through the Old Testament or the New, one thing's very clear. God has a special care for those who are weak, those who are destitute, those who are needy. Listen to Deuteronomy 10.18. God executes justice for the fatherless and the widow. He loves the sojourner, giving him food and clothing. Psalm 68.5 says this, Father of the fatherless and protector of widows is God in his holy habitation. Christians, this was such an important issue to God that he commanded his people Israel to follow his example in the way that they would deal with the weak and the needy in their own nation and in their own culture. Listen to what God told the Israelites in Jeremiah 22, verse 3. Thus says the Lord, do justice and righteousness. Deliver from the hand of the oppressor him who has been robbed. Do no wrong or violence to the resident alien, the fatherless, the widow, nor shed innocent blood in this place. You see, friends, you need to know the Bible's so clear. God has a special place in his heart for the needy, for the poor, for the widow, for the orphan, for the helpless. All those who are weak, God identifies with them. And God is near to them. He has a special concern for them. Well, listen, is there, any, is there any people group more weak, more needy, more helpless than the unborn children of the world? I want to show you a biblical illustration of this family that comes right out of the book of Exodus, chapter 21. In Exodus 20, God gave his people the Ten Commandments. You remember that. 
The Ten Commandments are in Exodus 20. But following that, God gave a bunch of other laws and instructions for his people that they are to observe in the nation of Israel. Well, one of the unique laws that God gave to his nation was a special law that regarded the life of the unborn child. Look in your notes. I gave you Exodus 21, beginning in verse 22. When men strive together and hit a pregnant woman so that her children come out, but there is no harm, the one who hit her shall surely be fined, as the woman's husband shall impose on him, and he shall pay as the judges determine. But if there is harm, then you shall pay life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, burn for burn, wound for wound, stripe for stripe. Now, can I just help you make sense of this? Two men are fighting, and a pregnant woman gets hit in the process. Maybe the fighting spills onto her. Perhaps she is trying to break two men apart. Maybe the two men are fighting and she finds herself in the midst of them and something happens and she uh, falls down. In any case, she's struck. She is hit in the middle of this fight and she delivers a premature baby. Now, if it happens that the baby is born and everything is fine, if the baby is assessed and there's no trauma, there's no distress, then everything moves forward. There's a fine that's to be paid and the families move forward. But if that unborn child is injured in any way, the penalty is what we say in the Latin phrase is lex talionis, or in legal terms, wound for wound, tit for tat. If the baby's eye is lost, your eye is lost. If the baby's foot is lost, your foot is lost. But if the child dies, you will then give your life as penalty. Believers, this is just one law. This is just one law in the Old Testament, but it shows us how serious God is about protecting the life of the innocent, the unborn in the womb. So family, for all of those people all in our culture today who are so uninformed and they're so ignorant and they're so crass and they say things like this, well, who cares anyway? Who cares about abortion? The answer is God cares. God cares. God cares for all of those who have been created in his image, especially the smallest among us. Well, family, as our time draws to a close this morning, there are just two things that I want you to take with you by way of conclusion. Family, the first thing that I want to communicate here is that while God's perfect justice, while His perfect wrath is one day going to be poured out on all of those unrepentant medical practitioners who continue to snuff out the lives of the unborn, while God is a God of justice and He will handle those unrepentant medical workers, what I want us to focus on here this morning, family, is just as important for us to declare God's amazing grace. God's infinite grace is more than sufficient to cover those who have tasted the sin of abortion. Scripture says where sin abounds, grace superabounds. There is no sin that God's grace cannot forgive, cannot cleanse, cannot heal. Whether we're talking about the mother who chose abortion, the lover who pressured her into it, 
the trusted friend who encouraged it, the callous parents who paid for it, or even the doctor who performed it. The Bible says, where there is an acknowledgement of sin and where there is true repentance, God is there with forgiving, cleansing grace. Scripture says Jesus is ready to forgive all of our sin when we come to Him. His sacred promise is that His grace is greater than all of our sin. Friend, if you're here today and your life has been in some way impacted by this devastating sin of abortion, if it has touched your life in any way, friend, look to Christ. Look to Christ even today. Come to Him. Because the Bible says in Christ, in Christ there is forgiveness. In Christ there is cleansing. Family, there's a second thing I want to send you home today with. A second thing I want to communicate to every Christian here today, and that is this, believers, that it is time for us to act. It is time for us to act. It is time for us to stand up, to speak out, and to be a voice. Be a voice for the millions of unborn children who have no voice for themselves. Believers, I want to challenge you today to do something tangible in 2018 for the cause of life. Do something tangible this year for the cause of life. Get involved in some way. Write letters. Volunteer on an abortion hotline. Volunteer at your local pregnancy resource center. Give money. Raise money, attend a rally, join a march, cast your vote. And if you can't do any of those things I just listed, you can surely pray. Pray as if you've never prayed before. Pray that God would open America's eyes to the violence, to the bloodshed against the most innocent among us. Family, there are literally hundreds of things you can do this year to make a difference for life. Will you commit to do at least one? Will you do one tangible thing in 2018? You know, that's what Gianna Jessen determined to do back in 2015 when she sat there before that congressional hearing. When she was presented with the opportunity, she opened her mouth and she spoke the truth. The truth that can be traced back to even the scriptures themselves. So Christian friend, praise God. His word speaks the real truth about unborn children. So may he grant us the conviction and the courage to do the same. Thanks for listening. This Preaching for a Change broadcast has been brought to you by the Grace Baptist Church of Hazleton, Pennsylvania. For more information, visit us online at mygracebaptist.church. If you enjoyed this broadcast, then share it with a friend on your favorite social media network. And be sure to join us next time for more enlightening and encouraging biblical exposition here on Preaching for a Change.